some of my best memories are getting up in the middle of the night and watching games uh, on the other side of the world, you know. Um, it helps if they're positive experiences. So that's 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 my sort of responsibility in that. But, um, you know, it's, uh, and that's how I know that when we do these trips, they're really important because our supporters, just because they're not sort of here watching us every week, it, it, it takes a hell of a lot of commitment and, and passion for the club to get up in the middle of the night and, 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 and you know, and sometimes midweek to, to, to watch your team play. So, uh, look, I, I guarantee you that, that you won't be falling asleep watching our games, uh, irrespective <laughs> That's of the time what we of the day. So, uh, so that, that'll do guarantee. Son flicks it in. Richarlison! It's in! And look at that. What a team talk that was at half time. And now here's Schotter. It quite simply is astonishing what this game brings up every week. Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. I am your host, Andrew. It is episode 132, and we have got a busy show. Summer continues, but preseason is just upon us. A little over a week away, in fact, from the start of the preseason. Uh, we've got Scott alongside to talk about it. He is at DSM Spurs. Scott, how are you? Good, man. Chilling. U.S. US match day and a little baseball to play later. And um, Yeah, good day. Good day indeed. Shuban is also alongside. He is at the real Shuban. Shubs, how you doing? I'm all right. A little bit tired. It's been a real full-on day for me today. So um, hopefully I'll try and give my best. And yeah, I look forward to chatting some spares. Very Got well. a lot done before noon, man. Jeez. Yeah, man. I know. <laughs> those time zones. Those time zones are really something. A uh, little bit later on in the show, we will talk with Caroline. Uh, she is not able to join us uh, for the full pod today, but we did do a segment because there was quite a bit of news on the women's front this week. They finally hired a manager. They got a new player in the door. So you will hear a little bit about that later on in the show. But before we get to that, um, plenty of other news to talk about, including, hey, how about Oliver Skip? He uh, he won the U21 Euros with England. That's pretty damn cool. Man has now won in the championship he's won at this level in the euros um Shubhan, that had to be pretty exciting for for all the england fans correct well it would have been if we could actually watch any of it but there was some big hoo-ha between uefa and um and what you call it and and some broadcasters in england and it's only until we got to the day we got to the final it's like oh crap we, we someone needs to show this kind of thing and to be fair channel for uh, who was actually not one of the bigger broadcasters uh, compared to BBC or ITV or Sky, did you know cough cough it up? They did a little mini studio and they showed it. And yeah, I mean, uh, when you look at some of these kids, I mean, I was saying on the chats, I mean, Chelsea, Man City are producing some really good kids, and it's fine. I see some of them actually, you know, play for England. And um, um, the only caveat I'd have on that is. Obviously, this is a bit closer. This is, it's U21 rather than, say, I think it was U18 or U19, I think it was, which England won, I think, back in 2017. And that's when Josh Onema, I think Dominic Solanke as well, actually. He, he was in part of that team as well. And it's, uh, it'll be interesting what happens next because, as you know, with all youth players, especially if they come through the ranks, you put all your hopes and dreams on them. You hope they're going to be world beaters. And sometimes they can be. And sometimes when that happens, and if they don't win anything, People like to make up rumours and try and link, steal them away from your clubs. 
or it could be X managers that do that. Yeah, that is something we'll certainly uh, come on to as well. I do think it's cool that we've seen, you know, and obviously Skippy has inserted himself as a, a regular member of the first team squad. He's not really, I don't even know that I would consider him a youth player anymore, but um, he was coming off the bench a lot in this tournament for them and, and you know, contributing in that way. But it's kind of cool that he's already won at the championship level, obviously, with when he was on loan at Norwich. Uh, note, note how I pronounce that, by the way, Scott Norwich, not Norwich. Um, and and now he's he's got an opportunity to, to to kick on in the first team at Spurs and and really make his his mark there. So I do think that's cool that he's a a, a one of our own type that is getting some winning uh, under his belt, which I think is is really really cool. Um, gentlemen, the really big news, the kind of bombshell news that we've gotten over the last few days out of Spurs is 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 negative. We're going to start negative here. Um, Tottenham did something a little sneaky and a little underhanded, if you ask me, and they made quite the increase on their ticket prices for the upcoming year. Um, this is something that I, that I know Shuban will have a lot to say on because it's going to affect him more than it's going to affect us over here stateside. But uh, this is a move that Spurs said was not going to happen just a few months ago when they got all of those season ticket renewals. And then all of a sudden, this past week when they posted the the scores and the categories for different ga- or the uh, prices and the and the categories for different games, uh, we saw an increase of almost twenty percent in some levels of of, of the seating area. Um, I don't know what else to say other than this is a really really bad look for a club that has no European football, um, is not going out there and 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 signing all kinds of players this summer. Obviously, they've made a couple of signings that we've really you know been been high on, but this is not a team that's going out and throwing hundreds upon hundreds of millions of pounds in the transfer window. So the increase in, in ticket prices is very, very suspect um, for a club that also, again, said it wasn't going to be doing that just a few months ago. Shuban? Well, here's the thing. They said they came out. So I don't know if you guys have heard of Frank Spencer. Frank Spencer is very well-meaning. Uh, literally, wherever he goes, he creates disaster. And so it's, it's kind of like Spurs' PR communication. I think they mean well, but they disagree. So they first said, look, we are doing very well in comparison to other London clubs. We've done what they've done. Well, here's the thing, though. The other London clubs have actually won something in the last um, 15 years. Okay? We have not. And it's definitely not the fans' fault that we didn't make European football. That belongs to the team and the board and the management, which has nothing to do with us. So it's... Look, I'm not a Tottenham Laker. I'm a Tottenham Flicker or something. I don't know what you want to call it. But ultimately, this is a bad look. You've got a cost of living crisis. Look, uh, I was very happy to hear that Chuck was announced as, I think he's a piece of fan board or advisory and representative and stuff like that. And you see how the club is trying to do things right. And then they do this. So it, it just, it reeks of ill will. And it's, here's the thing. If we do badly, we've got a new manager, we've got, Issues about whether our star player will stay and will they raise the ticket prices. It's a stick to beat, uh, you know, the chairman with. And, and, you know, there'll be more purple and gold balloons being flown out. Look, it just doesn't, it doesn't behoove anyone to do this. And I think what they'll do, and partly the cynic in me is trying to say, oh, do you know what? Why not create a crisis and then supporters trust and the board and the representatives can lay the representations out to the club, and then hey, presto manifesto, it's, it's all resolved. So it's like, create a problem, which you, 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 you're going to create, and then allow the, you know, you know, them to 
oh, we listen to our fans, we've done this, and you know, we've done all that. It'll be interesting if they do that. Because here's the thing, when you budget, you budget, so let's say the season ends in, well, so season end in, in, in June, and you budget, say, very soon after, this is our revenues, this is what we project our revenues to be over the next year, blah, 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 and this is what we need to price at. So either they do a massive change, which I seriously doubt, or they'll, you know, they'll try to go through. It's one of those things that it just doesn't look good in the club. There's a lot of anger towards the club. And do you know what? Ultimately, if, if they spend more money, great. That's all well and good. Because they'll say, well, why don't you spend the money? I, I, I went past the stadium when the Beyonce was playing there. The whole point of Beyonce being on the stadium, the whole point of F1 and this and this and this and all that is so we are cushioned against, you know, issues on match day performance. So you can't then just go say, oh, we're going to raise prices as a result. And here's the thing that I find incredulous. If we had done well, then that's fine. Do you know what? It's a demand product. We want to see more. But, and like I said, I, I don't know what the turnover rate of people not renewing their season ticket is, but a lot of people haven't renewed their season tickets. They have not done that. They probably have thought, you know what? I won't renew my season ticket. The stadium is now big enough because obviously it's 2,000, that's 34,000. If I want to get a ticket, I'm a member, I'll do this. So one, I can't help a feeling this is something that's done to maybe, I don't know, beat the season ticket holders that would have got, because obviously they're, they're, their prices haven't moved. But those people who have done it, you know, they'll, you know, they'll, you know, they'll, like, they'll, they'll get matched. Now, I'm very lucky. I know enough season ticket holders that'll say, you know what? Yeah, you, you know, you go in. We'll do a ticket, and they'll sell a ticket to me, and they'll do a transfer, and I sort them out of cash. And that's what, and you might you may see a lot of that, but it just doesn't bode well for the club. And I just don't know why they do it. It's and again, you've got I don't know. I mean, like I said, I'm hoping. I mean, I've met Chuck only one time, but he's a superb guy, and I'm sure Chuck to the rescue. Chuck, it's all on you. Well, here, here's the here's the only place where I will will push back on everything you just said, Shuban, and and every, I I agree with all of it except for this. You said if they had done well, if say, say Spurs were in the Champions League this upcoming season, you could maybe justify it. Well, then why is the club putting out a statement a few months back saying that the reason that they are freezing prices is because of the cost of living crisis? That's the part that you, you can't cite something like that and then go back on it whether you're doing well or not on the pitch and and scott for you and i this is like this is a way more distant issue obviously we're both live on the west coast of the united states we don't get to spurs games often we 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 try we try to travel and go but like so this is obviously a more distant issue for for you and i but just from a pr standpoint with this club like we were just starting to get to that point we had new manager hire we had a couple new signings including one in james madison that we're all really really pumped about we gushed about it last week and then to get hit in the face with this from a pr standpoint what the fuck is this club thinking right now i don't i don't know i was just thinking about how how i would come in and and, and respond and the only way i can is that i don't have a fucking clue what this club's doing ever um i, re- I really don't so i don't know i i, I will just i will say this I, it's hard for me to get emotional about it because, and I've talked about this before, in this country, you're going to pay $60, $70 to go watch one of the worst teams in MLS, right? Like, 
that's just kind of how it is. So like I've been, I've always been pretty numb to ticket prices and there's times where I see people complaining, Oh my God, it's 45 pounds to go, to go watch Tottenham. I'm like, Holy shit, bite my fucking arm off for that ticket price. Let's go. You know? So I, and again, that's hypothetical. I don't know what the actual price is. I haven't even looked at this whole, whole tidbit, but ultimately all I'm saying is it's really hard for me to get worked up about it because you know, we're, we're going to continue to pay significantly more than whatever we're always complaining about in London. And, and again, I'm not saying that should be the case. I'm just saying that is the case. And that's why it's hard for me to get emotional about this, I suppose. Um, one thing I wanted to say, Andrew. So Newcastle has now been moved to a Category A match. So that basically yes, means and- Newcastle are now on a par with Man United, Liverpool, right. Chelsea, Arsenal. And, and, and thing, before you even go on, I want to point out... I, I, yeah, I want to point out Spurs are not the only club doing that. Basically, every team in the Premier League has moved Newcastle into that tier for, for, for all of their tickets. I saw it all over the place this past week when, when all teams were releasing their tiers. Newcastle is now it, I mean, this is that is something that's important for you to point out. This is not a big six thing anymore. It's a big seven in the Premier League because of Newcastle's financial investment, let's call it. So th- that's a great yeah. point. And I just wanted to say everyone's doing that. That's not just on Spurs, but go ahead. I know this was on Spurs, but. I think the fact that it says, look, because no, no, that's not a problem. They, they, they do that. Now, Newcastle on plus, I've got to say, you've got the same thing about the Geordies. Um, when they t- they'll turn up and it'll be like, first of all, those matches tend to be TV games because there's so much coverage. I mean, literally, when Newcastle were relegated, I think was it mid, mid to you know, mid 2010s or something, it was a drop in TV, TV people watching because the Newcastle just had so many numbers to it. That's just what they do. And they, they really do. They're out there, full man up there. But I think the fact that football, they are now a big six, they've now progressed. And now it's like, well, and then, yeah, like we haven't. It just shows the highlight comparison. Like obviously, financially, they're on another level right now. They're, they're, they're kidding. There are no clubs that are on a level that, you know, that, you know, that um, Newcastle are on. I mean, not even Man City, just to put it into context. But the fact that they've made the move, they've, they've progressed and everything else, it's just the, yeah, it just shows like, like that we've regressed. And then you increase right. the prices. It just it just reminds me many years ago, about, about I think it was um, almost thirty years ago, we had a utility company, and basically what they said was um, the, the chief executive is going to get seventy five percent pay rise, um, our gas bills are going to go up, and the people who work within the company are taking a pay cut. And it's just like the PR, the impact did not work out very well. And there was a huge hoo about it. But the thing is, it's just like. I would love to know who runs Tottenham's PR department because honestly, there's a man in my Laura. She could she honestly hire her instead because she, she has PR for like McDonald's and Mark Smiles. Because literally, you've you've got fan process within. I mean, just to put in context, I was at the last two games. The fan process started within five minutes. I think we took the leading one again, and then the fan process still has been started. And there's so much, and the fan base is so unsettled. And like I said, you're just giving another stick to beat yourself with. Now, ultimately, you know, look, if you're a, if you're a board member, blah, 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 you bring your family in for free, you bring this guy in for free, that guy in for free, you know, it's, it's a very, those who are on the West End, you know, it is where it is. And they're very much, I suppose, but what I don't want to see, because we have idiot fans amongst us, is this whole, you know, we don't do as well. And there's just anger and, and, and that we misdirected. And we'll, ha- we'll see what happened at Everton, where their directors were told, we have a credible threat against your safety. We would recommend that you do not attend. Now, I'm hoping that's not going to happen. 
I'm really am hoping that, but it doesn't lend itself well. But to be totally fair, look, that kind of we look, we had like this kind of bad messaging anyway from like even from our prime minister. We have an economic crisis. The guy said, "Hold your nose." The guy's a fucking billionaire, and he's telling people to hold his nose. So, literally, it's nothing new from people in the top. The top to completely misread the situation and shit the bed and miscommunicate. That's nothing new. Our prime minister does it on a fucking daily basis. But ultimately, you've got these prices. I mean, like I, I met a family today, uh, and um, they were saying that you know what, unless they do something because they can't afford season ticket, season tickets. Just to put it in context. Tottenham City ticket is about 2,000. Man City is 900 pounds. Just to put it in context. Okay? Yeah. They're, they're some of the most because, expensive it, in the country. I know. It's insane. And the other thing is, like, we're looking at family. They're not happen. Now, do you know what? That wouldn't have been a problem for that for the club, maybe. Either. But do you know what? Here's the thing. The internet is a thing now. People are going to watch on their big screen TVs. They're going to watch the games live and just do a, a watch party at home because it's just becoming way too expensive. And I, and I think I said to you guys, I think the only time I went to some matches last year, because I wasn't enjoying the football, but the only reason I go on, because hey, they're expensive, I can watch them at home anyway, is I was literally thinking, you know what, I'm, 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 I watch them on TV or on Sky or BT or whatever, or because I pay subscriptions for that, so why would I pay for that and then go to the game as well? It's like, no, I might as well watch it on. But the other thing was, it's like, unless you guys, so when UTC and B came over, or like my, you know, my friends Kimmy from like um, Queens, when they came over, I thought I made the effort. But unless that's happening, I'm not going to bother. And yeah. if you get, do you know what? I think you spoke about. This. I can't remember which pod it was. I'm sorry, but there was thing about the apathy. And the last thing this club needs, because football is about passion. Whatever you want to say, like I screamed like a, like, a, like a dickhead yesterday when England scored a deflected, very fluky goal. Is that passion? And if that passion gets, ah, I'm not too bothered. Eh, nah, I, I can't bother. That's something you don't want. Yeah, that's and a big problem. Spurs risk, Spurs do risk killing the gold. You know, kill, you know, killing the goose lays the golden egg. Because one of the things, I just, so just to put it into context, there was a, a tournament. It was a it was a pro wrestling thing here last week, and the fan chanting, the fans, they were very expensive tickets. But one of the things that you buy into is the atmosphere. Now, here's the thing: wealthier people, they're not singers. They're not. You know, you know, which kind of says my, you know, which kind of says my um, level of income. But it's just a case that they're not singing, they're not chanting, they're not making an atmosphere. And that's what happens. You know, they, you know they're stuffing their faces with prawn sandwiches. And you're going to lose that atmosphere if you keep pricing out fans. And you're going to keep losing fans. They think, well, you know what? I'm not going to bother. You know, I mean, just to put into context, that's what, so say 65 quid. That's a, I don't know, that's a FIFA game or something. That, that, that's what, a month on Xbox Live or two, three months on Xbox Live. So just to put into context, you are, do not, if you, if you price it too much in a way that is uncompetitive, then you're there and think, well, screw it. Why am I going to turn up? Well, I'm going to watch it on the thing. I'll put it on this. And plus with the cost of yeah, living prices that, that we've point, had. Though, yeah, but to that point, though, so my understanding, and I could be wrong here, is that season ticket prices went down and individual match day tickets or sorry season tickets flatlined and individual match day tickets went up so yeah. what, all that's going on here to my point about you know being numb to all of this over here for example when i lived in houston i would go to dynamo games when it when it wasn't cost 
when it wasn't a stupid decision financially for me to go to Dynamo games. So I'd go to about every third game, you know, depending on who was in town. Spurs want that because they're keeping the people happy who are there every single week by keeping their tickets flat. And they're pushing out people who come now and then because they're not going to pay, you know, an extra 10 pounds a ticket and they're going to sell that to a tourist. Like, and that's kind of probably what the club wants, right? It's to keep those people who, who are there every single week happy and allow, you know, some hit or miss on those individual match day tickets for those locals who maybe, maybe want to come, maybe don't, they're going to fill the stadium. So, and, and that's just, it's just, you know, a micro within the macro that is, that is football right now because everything is changing. It, you know, it is known as a working person's game, right? A blue collar game, et cetera. It's not anymore, unfortunately, right? It's not. It, 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 is, it is a game of money and wealth. And as we clamor for $100 million signing, are we not eating the cake but say that we want nothing to do with it if, if we're, if we're, if we're going to not be okay with the way the football is changing too? So it's just, again, it, it, it all goes back to what I talk about. The game's fucking broken, and this is just another example of, of how it's broken, I think. To put the numbers into context for you, uh, and this comes from Alistair Gold's uh, piece on football.london, which is, is, is a worthwhile read. He, he, he pretty much rips into the club very well for this, this move. But the mm-hmm. Category A matches, which we spoke about earlier, range anywhere from 65 pounds to 103 pounds. Um, that's Got the first time tickets have gone over the 100-pound mark, um, and that applies to a lot of the East and West blocks. Category B games range from 48 to 95 pounds, um, and the cheapest category C games are still ranging from 37 pounds to 80 pounds. Here's the thing, though, and, and this is also another really interesting part of this. There are only four teams included in the category C that Burnley, Luton, and Sheffield. They took teams like Nottingham Forest out of that category. Um, I, I could easily, I could probably pick one or two other teams you could, you could throw into that category within the, the league as well. So only four teams in that category C, meaning – you know, those are the cheapest games and you've only got four of them of, of, you know, of the home game. It's just, it's a, it's a real mess and it's a real problem. And it's, it's, I think the thing that pisses me off about this the most is that this is a self-inflicted wound. It's a self-created problem by the club. If you were going to, you know, freeze your season tickets, why are you doing this months later? The cost of living crisis is, has not changed for, for folks in the UK. And this is, this is just kind of where we are. So, um, it's it, it's yeah. frustrating. It's it, it 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 pisses me off, and I you know I live how far away, so it's 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 frustrating to see the the you know the self inflicted type of 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 moronic behavior. And that's the thing that I find really interesting because obviously I don't think this affects your ability. Obviously, whether you're planning to come over to obviously if you plan to come over because obviously everything's gone up price, so you think well, you know. Uh, Oh, our airfare's gone up in price. Our hotel's gone up in price. This has gone up in price, and everything yeah. has gone up. Do you know what I'm saying that adds up. But and I think that, but the fact that you guys are so pissed about it, from beyond the solidarity of it, it's just the fact that that and the fact that if you're pissed about it, imagine what we're feeling here. <laughs> no, you're, That's the you're exactly right. Yeah, so I just think, and you know what? But do you know what really annoys me about this is that the club has spoken about changing and we're going to be more open and more receptive or do this or do this differently. But literally, it's it's kind of like the club just can't help shooting itself in the foot. Yeah. And it's, you know, it, I, don't, I, I don't, I don't, I just think it's, I don't know, it's the Tottenham way since God knows how much. Because like, you talk about the first hundred, uh, first over a hundred pounds. 
I mean, we signed, I think, um, to spend the context, so Jimmy Greaves was the first, like, he wasn't a hundred thousand pound player because they made sure he wasn't. They said, look, pay, pay a grand or pay under the table. So he, the label wasn't there. The fact they were a hundred pound a game. And do you know what? If I, I will be not be surprised if there will be, if we, if we have bad performances and literally you get a chart of what a waste of money, what a waste of money. And you normally do that as apps, expensive signings that do shite. But if we're seeing what a waste of money, what a waste of money, and that's echoing throughout the ground, and then they're going to try and, like, I don't know, down, overplay it or whatever. It's just, do you know what? It just, it just is a bad look. I do hope the Spurs reconsider. And I hope, like I said, that, you know, we, that's because I think just going to context, I mean, you know, look, to, to go into a match is a choice. And for me, it's a privilege when I go to a match. It really is. You know, I grew up near the ground, but I wasn't able to, single parent, so we couldn't afford to go to like, football matches. And now that I'm working, I can afford it. And it's something I do enjoy doing. But I know, like I said, there are kids with families and those kids aren't going to grow up to be Spurs fans because I, I know that when you go take someone and they have the experience, well, I think, Andrew, you've had your first experience, obviously, you have been, and hopefully you can maybe bring your kids over. And, you know, when they can, they bring their kids over and experience that excitement, that energy. When you're there live, and you're part of 60,000 yeah. people. And if you're not, if you can't be part of that, well, yeah, I was on TV, but you don't feel that. It's just a different kind of energy. And I think you're, I, I'm hoping that they are going to be, do you know what, the junior hospital tickets and everything else. Because I don't know this, but I know that the match day tickets have gone up. But does that apply to juniors and children? Or is that, was that for everybody? That's the thing I'm, I'm interested to find out. It'll be, uh, it'll be something to watch for sure. Um, let's move on to some other topics because there was other stuff that I won't say pissed me off, but certainly rubbed me the wrong way this week. Um, and that was our, our former head coach, Mauricio Pochettino opening his mouth over there at Chelsea. Uh, Scott, I want to give you the floor on this. Cause I know that Pochettino was your boy. Um, I know he's no longer quote unquote your boy, but, uh, started to talk, started talking about Harry Kane a little bit this week and, uh, and also talking about how Chelsea has been the best club in England for the last 15 years, which I, I think might be just a little bit of hyperbole um, if you ask me, but uh, talking about Harry Kane in a context that I do not like uh, and do not want to hear about. Um, what are, what are your thoughts on the, the mouth of Mauricio Pochettino right now? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I'll start by saying I'm not, I haven't subscribed to the Pochettino's a snake. Fuck that guy, blah, blah, blah. I still hold the club fully responsible for not resigning him. Um, you know, uh, and, and I still think they should have. I'm excited about Fustacoglu, but as, as far as the, the, the rumor, or sorry, the uh, statement he made on Kane, I believe he was asked about Kane, and he really just said, I'm not going to talk about another player, um, but, uh, you know, Harry Kane and I have, have always had an excellent relationship, which is basically just him saying, we, we take Pacchettino out of context a lot because of the language barrier, and again, it's gotten better, but like, all he was saying was, I have too much respect for Harry Kane to make a comment. So I don't really make anything of it. I don't I don't think there was that much that you know wrong with what he said. And as far as him saying the things about Chelsea, he's Chelsea's manager. I mean, we can't yeah. we can't no, ask him to not speak well about his own club. Like that just We can happen. ask, so, it's not gonna happen. Yeah, yeah I mean I, I, I honestly and I, this isn't a you know, me this isn't me directing this at anyone. That, that I'm speaking to in the two of you, but I, I, I make nothing of those comments and I just don't really think it's anything. Shuban, did this rub you the wrong way? Like it, like it did uh, many Spurs fans or, or is this kind of a nothing burger for you? 
honestly, I'd better do a Will Smith and say, keep your Harry Kane's words out of your mouth. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like, no, I said, look, I, um, so in terms of my fandom, obviously I've been a fan for, for years, but I think the greatest period of my life as a fan and just in terms of my interaction with other fans as well came under both Harry, Martineau a little bit, but Harry Redner definitely and Pochettino. And obviously Pochettino is when I became, you know, obviously when he joined, I got to know all you guys, the majority of, of the overseas sports clubs over there. And so, yeah, it's, for me, he gave me some happy memories. I will always wish him well. I'll always have a lot of love for him. I very much doubt he will sign pictures with him in being Spurs, him being Spurs, because I've got pictures I was hoping he'd sign one day. But you know what? It's, look, we fired him. It's kind of like, it's kind of like you dumping a girl and then she ends up hooking up with like some millionaire, gazillionaire bodybuilder. After I don't know, one Nobel Prize. I told you that, and you said no again. Yeah, like, I, yeah. Just, I don't understand why yeah. we're upset. And, all, and fans who are fans who are upset by what he said didn't want him back. Like, I just, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's all a, a bunch of bullshit to me, and uh, I don't know, whatever. We, we, we didn't sign the guy when he wanted us back. I, I, he's going to go do his job somewhere. I totally agree with you guys. I. I will say this did when I saw Marisa Pochettino's name with Harry Kane's name in the same quote this week, the the most uh, honest reaction it got for me was an eye roll because it, it does make me think about the fact that there are a lot of rumors about Harry Kane, not only departing this summer, but of course he's out of contract after next year. So what, what's to stop him from playing one more year for Spurs and then going and joining Mauricio Pochettino next year at Chelsea? Like what, like we've been shooting down all these Bayern rumors of which there is of course, another one, uh, even just today that the rumor is that Bayern is going to increase their offer for Kane up to about 80 million euros plus add-ons. And, you know, Spurs are once again, again, reject that offer because they don't want to sell him. Um, and they're still convinced that they can get him to sign a new deal, but what if he doesn't and what if he then does say hey that sounds kind of good let's go play for Chelsea they're on the up with Pochettino and and we can stay in England and keep adding Premier League goals to the to the ledger so there's no worries about you know not adding to this record chase that he's been on by moving to Germany um it, it it's it's a London-based club he doesn't have to move his family like all these factors are kind of like so eye roll is what it got for me because it it does kind of lend credence and not that it didn't you know, not that it didn't before this, these comments were made about Pochettino. I mean, obviously, I feel like the the credence to Kane leaving for 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 a role like that would have been when Pochettino was hired. So, I don't know. I roll is is where I'm at on it, and it's well, frustrating, and, think, and it's it's it's. I don't know. It's just it makes me uneasy. That's all. I I mean I agree. I think you know. I think this is. I I say this with an asterisk because it was a very different Chelsea then. But Jimmy Greaves played for both clubs. It's easy to forget that, right? And we're talking about the, the the largest Tottenham legend to this to this point in time, outside of Harry Kane, who will eventually be that if unless he goes to Chelsea. But I think you know when when I look at all of this, the only thing I'm going to say again is we all know the immense amount of respect that Harry Kane carries for Mauricio Pochettino. We all know that Mauricio Pochettino coming back would have been a massive player in the game of keeping Kane around. And if Kane decides to go play for Pochettino at Chelsea after this contract, I'm going to look at the club again and say you could have avoided this. Um, but I, I'm not. I'm also they, not going to say they, they could have. They should but... have. I'm not saying yeah, they should I mean... have. 
because look, if if Pasta Coglu is the way we want to go, and I'm excited about the dudes, I don't mean to make this about any of that either, but then so be it, right? But if we're if the biggest priority this club has is keeping Harry Kane around, then this guy that we're all really upset about coaching one of our rivals could have been brought back very easily and we opted not to do that so again i just i don't know we could end up with our foot in our mouth with this club is very fucking good at doing by the way we just talked about it for yeah we talked about it at length i i i get what you're saying i i also still i'm still going to go back to the idea that i can understand if the club would have viewed hiring pochettino as going backward going back to something rather than moving forward and i will always be in favor of progression and moving forward in 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 this and in life i mean going back on things like that is it's it's a touchy thing and i can understand too why an ego like the chairman has wouldn't want to because that's admitting a wrong and we talked a lot about that throughout the, the manager hiring process and i get what you're saying about kane it's just the other part of this is what does harry kane want you know which we don't think about. And I'm talking about now, not then. What does Harry like Kane want? To go to Bayern. Sounds like he wants to. He sounds like he wants out. And if he's got to wait another year to do that and do it on his own accord, I, I think he'd be willing to to put in that time. He's put in Christ. He's put in more than a decade already um, in 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 earning this goodwill. Um, it sucks, but it's kind of where we are. And I don't know. It's it, it's frustrating. Well, here's the thing. The, the, so the Levick, the Enoch era started with losing Sol Campbell to Arsenal on a free. And it'll be interesting that after, I don't know, 20 plus years, that's what happens. And literally another club, you know, you know, the star player, the best player at the club, one of the best players I've ever seen, ends up leaving on a free. So, so it just really looks bad on the club. But you know what? It's something that I've, I don't know, I've just got, I've just gotten used to it now. I, I would love, look, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stress about that. I can't stress about. Sh- I mean, I've got enough stress in my life. We all do. So do you know what? I'm not stressed about something that may or may not happen. I'm gonna focus on here and now, right now. So Harry Kane seems to be a Tottenham player. The one thing that I think. I mean, but then, you know, he's, he's on the marketing. But then Gareth Bale was on all the marketing. If we went to fucking Real Madrid, do you know what I mean? Yeah. So it doesn't really make a huge difference. I think shit, ultimately, shit changes, changes by the day in in the world of football. We know that. Yeah. yeah. So, and I think, look, at the end of the day, Mauricio Pochettino was a, he's a huge factor in how he became becoming the players. I think that people are trying to draw parallels with, oh, Jose was sat by Chelsea and then he came back. He wasn't. He left because of a, I think there was an argument or whatever between like him and Michael M. So one of the, one of the guys that visit Brown um, Brownwich brought in. So he resigned rather than be fired. And therefore that paved the door for him to come back. Whereas Pochettino was said, look, you can resign or you can fire. He goes, no, no, screw it. You're going to fire me. I don't care to fire me. I had the balls to say you're going to fire me. So he was sacked. And that means it very difficult for you to go back to the person. And look, we already know that Levy doesn't really give a shit about what fans think. We know that. You know? And he just thinks, well, he thinks he's going to do right and he'll do that. And to his credit, yeah, do it. Because you want someone, you know, at the end of the day, a true leader isn't a secret consensus, he's a mold of consensus. And you know, you live by by decisions. So credit to him for that for having the courage of his convictions. And literally, maybe they want to lose face, maybe not, I don't know. But ultimately, you know, right now, cost uh, and and as a and just Postacoglu, I'm trying to say the word, is our manager. Poch is our past. 
it's kind of like do you know the the guys who are very bitter at um, Christian Erickson? I was one of those guys. I was hoping that he'd fail at Inter, and then suddenly he has a heart attack on the pitch, and I'm like, oh, my prince, my Danish prince, my Danish prince. So it's just one of those things. Football fans are fickle. They're passionate. They love you. They hate you. It's, do you know what? It's look. Ultimately, Poch was asked a question. He didn't say, oh, I'd love us Chelsea to sign us, Chelsea to sign him. He just said, look, I have a special relationship with him. I'm very fond of blah, blah, blah. Chelsea, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to slag him off. And in to, to his defence, you know, they won, yeah, they were in the Champions League final, was it, 2008? Um, they won the double, the, I think, the following year. They've won, they've won the league quite a few times in that period. They've won the Champions League. So they have done well. Over the last 15 years, they have been competitive. They've won, torn, they've won trophies, which we certainly haven't done. Man City started to do under Guardiola and a little bit under Mancini, but they weren't as they weren't the force they were under. You know, Man United certainly don't do that anymore. Liverpool have only started to do that in the last four or five years. So there is, yeah, there is a, there is a kernel of truth in what you said. Man Chelsea have, have been very successful. And you know what? You know, we got we you know we have taken our lumps. We haven't been. If you look, if you contrast what we've been in the last fifteen years and what Chelsea have been in the last fifteen years, it's night and day. I know we want to kind of stay in the present and look to the future, but briefly, let's go back into the past one last time and talk about some comments made by Richarlison this week. Um, he spoke about Antonio Conte at length, and we all remember back to uh, the spring when Spurs were eliminated. Uh, out of the Champions League by AC Milan. Um, I, I remember because I was there for that match and it was brutal <laughs> to watch. But after the match, uh, Richarlison had some comments and it kind of led to a little bit of a kerfuffle between he and Conte. Uh, Richarlison revealed this week in a podcast that he was berated for two hours uh, in, in a team meeting in front of the other players by Conte. Um, and he said they just, they butted heads, basically. He, he and then he also went on to say that he apologized to Conte after the season, uh, telling him he wished he could have done more. And obviously there was a little bit of a, a friction there, but um, Conte was, or Charleston rather, was pretty much Conte's first signing when he came to the door. I mean, this was the guy that he, he wanted to, to bring in. And um, it, it's interesting that that whole thing just kind of blew up in the way that it did. Um, so I, I thought that was just kind of interesting to look back on that. And I'm, I think the thing that I take from it most is just that I, I am, I am expecting a lot more out of Richarlison going into his second year at Spurs. I, I'm not giving him the, the complete free pass for last season, because I think there was a lot of opportunity for him to do better. But of course he battled whatever the hell this was with Conte. And he also battled injury and, and, you know, the world cup being him being such a prevalent part of that for Brazil. Um, so I'm, I, what I take from this is I'm looking forward to what he can do in a sophomore season with Spurs because um, I I think he can be a really good and big part of, of what Spurs are building here. And God knows he may have to be an even bigger part if if and when Harry Kane eventually does depart, um, kind of tying it back to that last conversation we had. But um, I, I don't know, Richarlison to me, it, it's a big season for him too, I think. I, I think it's a really important season, not only just for – what he does at Spurs, but for her, for his career writ large, right, Scott? For sure. I mean, it's 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 a, a chance for him to, I guess. I don't want to say like redo his first season because you can't do those types of things, but really come in with a fresh fresh tactical approach and a manager who wants to play 
what I would call even a South American style of football, right? We all know he's modeled his game after Marcello Bielsa. And I really think a guy like Richarlison should thrive in this system. So it, it could be a, you know, a rebirth if there is such a thing after one year at a team. Right. But I think it's, it's a really cool opportunity for him. Like you said, if, if, if our beloved striker does leave, it's an even bigger season for him, but, but ultimately I'm just, I'm just kind of bummed to hear about, about, you know, what went down, uh, you know, between Richarlison and Conte, it, it doesn't really seem like Conte was a manager who wanted to spend much time getting to know how to manage each player individually, right? And there are managers who who rely on their staff to do those types of things. And it seems like Conte is probably one of those guys, especially considering how close the team was with, with his staff. Um, you know, we saw that numerous times through a tragic passing and then some other things that happened, how much Conte's staff meant to this to this squad. Um, but it was kind of a bummer to see that Richarlison and, and Conte did, didn't uh, get along as well as we maybe all thought that that they were or they would. Um, but, uh, yeah. One other player that I think we're, we're going into this season with a real mind's eye to, this is a big important season for, for the direction of his career, would be Destiny Adogi. And um, Spurs, obviously, the, the preseason starts a, a week from this Tuesday. Uh, the team leaves this Friday. So by, by next week's podcast, we'll be talking real deal about, you know, they're on this tour now. They're going to uh, Australia, Thailand, Singapore to play a few uh, friendlies to, to to start the year off. Um, and I, De- with Destiny Adoki, he he could, he was participating in this Euros U twenty one competition as well um, with Italy. Had the allotment of days that he could have you know taken before returning to camp. Um, but the rumor is that he's he's coming back this week because he wants to go on this tour, which I think is a really big deal. And it, it it's you know. It's not something that I would have begrudged him for if he would have taken the full 21 days uh, after after the tournament and, you know, stayed out that whole time. But it would have meant that he missed this this preseason friendly tour with a new manager and a team that he's now joining after a year on loan um, and coming into and trying to make an impact. And honestly, we've talked at ad nauseum over the last handful of months about that left back spot and kind of what it is and and who's there for it. And Udogi is the guy that everyone's kind of pointing to as, Oh, well he'll come back and he'll come into this team and, and really be something. And I continue to say, I hope so. I hope that that's the case, but it's a mystery to me because I don't think we really know what he is. We, we, we know that he's a talent. Um, I've, I, I watched a little bit of him in, in Syria last year, but and he, and he does, he jumps off the page at times, but this is the kind of move that I really respect if he is coming back and is going to join this tour because it shows he's ready to, you know, to grab this and, and make an impression on Ange Postacoglu. Shuban, how, how important is this season for Destiny to Dogi? Because like I said, this seems like a position on, on a part of the pitch that he could really go grab. I think, well, first of all, assessing you into someone we've we spoken about, I knew you definitely have the, his reliability, his availability. Is, is, or his lack of availability is his worst ability. And I don't know, look, injuries can happen, you never know. But um, I think the fact that he's, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not Italian. I leave that to Scotty to know that kind of stuff. Um, if um, they made it past the group stages, whatever. Um, I think he will have, and I think they, they have physios and everything else, and they'll probably say, look, what's my body state at? They'll do all those tests on him. And they'll say, look, this is why my body's at. Um, and they'll speak with the coaches and they'll say, look, do you think I can come? I want to come. 
and let's just so we can work out. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, look, football, these guys live, obviously they live incredible lifestyles, but it's physically so demanding, mentally so draining. Uh, I don't know how much English he speaks in terms of, you know, I don't know if he's had a chance to meet his any of his new teammates. He might have met them maybe a couple of times. So I think going on tour is very good in terms of just of how you integrate with a team. I think I don't look apples and oranges. I think Eve Basuma, I think when he went out last year, obviously he got COVID. That's not his fault. But then he wasn't able to really integrate and join the team and get take part. And that kind of, I think we will never know. But I think that impacted his ability to, you know, have a start in the team. So I think if he's able to and he's willing to, yeah, more credit to the kid. And he, that for me puts, I think, credit in his bank and in the Goodwill Bank, if whatever you want to call it. And yeah, let's see how he does. I mean, look, the, 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 you know, I mean, before, like, footballers now are so much more professional. They get, even if they're on holiday, they're still doing fitness work. You know what I'm saying? They still have been given, like, eat this, don't do this, don't put on the weight. And they're very good at doing that kind of stuff. Well, most of them are anyway. Yeah. And this has the price you pay for being a professional. I mean, I think that's the thing I think was that Roberto Carlos and Ronaldo said the reason why, why you're out of shape is that well, no one's paying me to stay in shape anymore. You know, I'll eat what I want. So I think that the fact that he, you know, he's willing to do that, yeah, it says something good. I mean, you know, this tour thing, I mean, it will be interesting to see how he does because whether he's able to, I mean, I think they, because the internationals all come back this week, I think. Is that correct? All the internationals? I mean, Harry Kane and all of them, they're, they're, they're back as well. So it'll be interesting to see how he fits in. So yeah, I mean, I said, power to the kid, you know, and I think the fact that left back, I mean, who is it? Was it Ben Davis, Ryan Sessignon? I'm trying to think who else. Unless we play like inverted fullbacks, those are his two contenders. So yeah, I think it's very good that he's willing to do that. He's not resting on his laurels. He's not thinking, oh my God, it's Ryan Sessignon. He's always injured. Ben Davis is slow. I can smoke him. So no, he's going to go in there and say, look, I need to do the work. I need to fit in. I need to... I've probably spoken with a manager, you know, maybe a couple of times on Zoom and, you know, got an idea of what he wants to do. But obviously, I need to be there. And yeah, credit to the kid. But I said, in terms of, I mean, Scotty, you might know this. I mean, when did Italy go out of the Euros? In, in the group. Was it a couple in the group. So he's probably had at least a good week or so to rest. And these players are like so highly tuned in instruments anyway, like just leaving just to spend like a week just doing nothing. And then he's I mean, just I think it was almost charged, two weeks charged. ago. Yeah, it was almost two weeks yeah. ago when Italy left the tournament. So he's he's honestly I was surprised to hear that he had more time under his belt, if I'm completely honest, because Italy's been out for a while. So it's Super valiant, obviously. I'm not taking away from him wanting to come back and give up his vacation time, but he's he's probably already had a little bit. You would suspect. Yeah, yeah it'll be it'll That's be right. interesting to see. And I'm really uh, even more so than Adogi. There's there's a lot of other players that I'm interested in seeing who's going to be on that plane later this week when when the club heads off. Um, for those who don't know, like I said, it's coming fast. the The regular season, the the Premier League season, starts uh, in about a month. Uh, about five weeks, actually. And the preseason starts a week from Tuesday on the 18th. Spurs will play West Ham in Australia, in Perth to be exact. Uh, then they will travel to Thailand to play Leicester on the 23rd. That's a Sunday. And then they play the following Wednesday against Jose Mourinho's Roma. Uh, that match or is maybe in not. Or maybe not. Or maybe not. <laughs> yeah. 
good point. Good point. Uh, but they will play Roma, and then they return home uh, for a match August 6th uh, against Shakhtar, which we, we spoke about a little bit last week. Uh, that is another friendly. That's that. Those are the those are the matches ahead of the Premier League. So four of them over the next five weeks before uh, really over the next four weeks um, before the Premier League season starts. What I'm interested in is who goes on this tour because Shuban, you made a really good point. Going on a tour like this can be really important. It can be really important to the way that a that a season goes, just from a team camaraderie standpoint, um, and the players and the mix of players that are that are on this tour could be extremely important. We did have a report uh, just this week from Dan Kilpatrick about outgoings. And I think that's kind of where we need to, to hit it home today is that there could be a lot of outgoings and therefore not a lot of these known players, known quantities on this trip because they know that they're getting moves. Uh, Dan Kilpatrick, <clears throat> Dan Kilpatrick cites Hugo Lloris, Ivan Perisic and Pierre-Emil Hoybier as the three most likely players to be out the door first, which um, pour one out for Todd, but it sounds like those, those three could be gone perhaps even this week before the tour. Uh, we just don't know. It's interesting though. There are uh, multiple other players that, that were listed in this report as the club being open to offers for Davidson Sanchez, Joe Rodon, Ryan Sesemian, Sergio Reguillon, uh, and Giovanni Lacelso. The one notable name from that list that is not there is Tongi and Dombele, Scott. Um, I think that we've the, all the rumors that we've heard over this last week is that Tangi Ndamale is going to be looked at on this tour and probably get some decent amount of playing time, I would think, to see if he can make an impact on on Postacoglu and maybe earn himself back into this into the good graces at Spurs. What the hell do you think about that? I actually, I actually kind of make something of this, um, and the only reason I say that is. Tongi hasn't played for a manager that suits the way that he plays really since he got to the club and Pochettino was sacked, right? So, and honestly, if, if you look at, if you look at Mourinho and Conte and Nuno, they all just, they're all kind of just shitheads. Like, uh, and, and, and just didn't want to like nurture somebody who maybe needed nurtured or maybe I shouldn't say that about Nuno. He just wasn't around long enough, but. But the other two aren't the nurturing type, right? When it comes to these types of things, is all I mean by that. Don't really mean to call them a shithead, but all all the all I'm saying here is he's going to have an opportunity to play in a system that's that suits him. And I'm not going to be all about oh, this is another signing and Tongi's going to be, you know, amazing, blah blah blah. But we paid sixty five million dollars for the guy, um, and if we could get something out of him, that'd be fantastic. So I'm going to choose to to believe that there's something to this. And we, uh, I, again, I'm not saying we're going to see this world-class player in Tongi, but I think we're, we're going to see somebody who's, who's serviceable and can do a really good job in the system. And if that gives them the foundation and the platform to kick back onto where he was at Leon, he's still fairly young, um, then we're better for it as a club. Shuban, are there any of those other names that I mentioned that the club is open to offers for that you'd be like, oh, I'd actually like to see a little bit more out of him on this tour, and and maybe maybe he can. Th there's a player from that group that can win themselves back in, or are you kind of good like I am. I'm. I'll tell you where I am first. It's just a, I'm fine with any of those players. If any of those players we get offers for them, I'm fine with the clear out. But is there anyone that you are are a little bit more attached to? Um, was Jeff Tanganga on that list? I can't remember. Was uh, Tanganga's not on that list. Uh, he's one that I suspect he, along with Eric Dyer, I feel like are going to be kept just for the homegrown numbers. Although I don't think Dyer counts as a homegrown. No, Dyer doesn't count. 
that, so, so scratch that. But Tanganga certainly does. I feel like he'd be an, a player that's kept simply for the homegrown numbers and his depth, but I, I don't know for sure. Um, so the only player I think of is Lo Celso because I thought Lo Celso, prior to lockdown, that particular season, he was probably one of our best players prior to lockdown. And then it literally just never seemed to work out for him because I think the following year, I can't remember, but that was the... I don't think I don't because Jose. I don't can't remember if Mourinho. I can't remember if he was playing that much. I can't, I can't remember if that. I've, I've tried to eliminate that whole Mourinho season twenty twenty one. Most of us have, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, getting knocked out by I don't know some team in Croatia or something. I had a manager in jail or something. But um, no, I mean, like I said, I wouldn't see if Lacelso has been giving another chance. Um, I would. That's the only player I could probably think. I said Regulon. I don't know. I mean. For me, the first of all, you mentioned what eight, eight players. We we still were wanting players to come in, so we thought there's about 33, 34 players there. It's impossible to manage all those players. So players are going to have to move on. That's just they're going to have they to are, do one. Sure. They're going to have to move. They have to do one. I think Davison Sanchez. Look, he's in the last year of his contract, so I think it'll be more of a case of you know what he's going to go. We'll listen to offers. Hopefully, we can be reasonable about it. And that will happen. I think the same for Hugo Lloris. Hopefully, they won't haggle out for a deal. I think he's even the largest contract, but they'll probably say, do you know what? You've been a great servant to the club. And plus, his wages are so high anyway, like obviously more high to wage earners at the club. They'll probably say, do you know what? You know, we can, you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll let you go. Good grace, blah, blah, blah. Go to France, wherever you're going to go to. Um, Hypia is an interesting one because, and I'm not doing this because I want to piss off Todd. I love Todd. But it's an interesting one because if we can have the Danish Hoybier, then I think that would be great. If you have that one that is expressive and allowed to express himself and is willing to take chances with his passes, then yeah, why not? Why can't we have that? Because we saw glimpses of that. So, and I, I think I think that. I think that's something I'm that's a lot it. easier to do in the international game than it is in the Premier League. That's that's I think but the I'm difference. Saying, Saying, I think I he's think good at I think he's good that. at doing that on on a certain level, but I think when you get to the yeah. Premier League level, I don't know that he's that player. But what I'm saying is I've seen glimpses of that at Spurs, but obviously that was under a very more conservative managers, Mourinho, Nuno, and Conte. If he someone says to him, you know what, go out, play, be expressive. Um, but for me personally, that, that coupled with his work effort, I would I would hope to lose someone like that. Uh, I agree yeah, with you, yeah. but here's the other thing: Spurs now have two players potentially, if we're if we're including Ndombele in that, that can be that ex- more expressive midfielder. And obviously, I'm throwing James Madison into that conversation as well. So it's weird. It's it's it, there's not really a I don't think there's a place for him to be the more attacking of this of the central midfielders. Um, and and it seems like the writing's on the wall for that one anyhow. So it's it, it's it, it is an interesting one though. I, I agree with you completely about the leadership factor, and I think he's been a, a great servant to the club. Has obviously played a shit ton of minutes uh, in his time at Spurs. I mean, he's always in the top two or three or four of minutes played for the season. So it's it, it is a tough one to swallow, but I think it was probably is pro- would probably be the right move if they can pull it off. I think, I, I, you know, again, I'm not, I'm, I'm sounding like Todd, but with a British accent. I think he's the one of the players that you, you don't, you won't notice that he's gone until he's gone. If that, if that makes sense. You won't notice what he does. You know what I'm saying? He doesn't do anything flashy, but it's those little things that he doesn't do. Now, hopefully he won't come to that. Hopefully skip and 
Sar and Basuma are able to step up and do all those things. But like I said, I'm interested. I mean, like I said, he came along when we definitely needed a defensive midfielder because Harry Winks wasn't it, Soko definitely wasn't it, and so Wanyam, I think, I think he got released that year or something. I think I can't remember. So because obviously he was injured all the time. So the fact that you know, um, what's the word? You know, I think Hoybe has come in. He's been a very good servant to the club. I think we spoke about this a couple of years ago after his first season. He was the only success story of that horrible year we had under Jose and then on the last few days under Ryan Mason. He was the only, I think, of all the players that came in, I think he's the only one left, isn't he? If memory serves. Like, Regulon came in that year, Bale, Man Doherty. I think he's the only player that's still left. And Regulon, those two are the only players still left. Is that, would that be correct? It and seems Rodon. right. It seems Sounds right, but you're, it yeah. seems right, but you're throwing a, a research question on, on onto me as, no, well, as I'm, I'm doing saying, the podcast I'm saying, live, so I'm, I'm not saying, sure. I'm saying, I know what you're I'm saying. saying yeah. I'm saying. So I think. Do you know what? Naturally, I think you know. I think that again, Jet points out to the fact that we bought these players less than what two, three years ago, and literally, if all three of them, if like if Rodon goes, if Regulon goes, if Hoybier goes, that just again shows how badly we've been so mismanaged. Because look. Players come and players go, but you want to build around, you want to have a player that you've got for at least five, six years and you can build something around that. Yeah. And you're, if you're constantly moving players on, that does not bode well for you. So I think, I think maybe I said, I, I am, a, I'm not, I wasn't a huge high beer fan compared to Todd, obviously, but he's a player that you're going to notice when he's not there. And that's what I'm saying. I don't notice everything he does, but like I was one of those players that, you know what? I never got what Roy Keane did when he was part of that incredible 99. Um, trouble winning team but yeah. I say this now yeah, you, you take away Skulls take away you know, Beckham you see all those players but it was Roy Keane's drive is what his leadership is what he did it's, what, it's, it's the thing you didn't see him do on the tra- off, you know, on the training pitch in the dressing room that I think you'll miss so I wouldn't just see who steps up I mean I think there's to talk about Madison he's been a lot more vocal as a leader as a Leicester um, I think obviously Harry Kane wants to step up, so who knows? Maybe other players will step up and they'll find their voice. So, but that's what I'm saying. That leadership I mean, is a quality that you don't. It's a, it's not a metric you can see on the pitch in terms of like completion, but it's something. It's something. I think that's something we value. I think we're going to miss that. I agree that what we're, we're going to notice, you know, what what's gone when Hoiberg's not there. But it, the point is, whether he's here or not, we're going to notice that he's not there because he's not going to play as much as he would like to. And so I think that's the factor here is regardless of whether he's at Tottenham or not, we're going to see what we're missing, you know, and regardless of of the gravity of what what we decide that is, right, we're going to see it whether he's at the club or not because he's not going to play as much. And if you're a guy like Hoybier, I don't just suspect that you want to sit around and on the bench and, and and play a bit part role when you just came off the most minutes of uh, of the entire club the season prior, right? He's a guy that wants to play. He's a guy that runs and runs and has a great engine and, you know, seems to be the type of person who who doesn't sit around, right? He, he works. And so um, I think him, him moving on is probably what he wants, if I'm honest. It will be interesting to see, you know, like I said, what players are, are on this plane uh, and, and are going to be going on tour and what players get moved out uh, in the coming days and weeks and, and, you know, month or so leading up to the start of the season uh, and the close of the window. It, it will be here before we know it. And we've, we've kind of been, you know, filling time throughout this summer since then. But um, 
Uh, after the break, we're going to hear from Caroline uh, about the women's team. Speaking of filling time, they filled their time very well this week, finally getting the managerial hire done and uh, brought in a new player as well. We're going to hear from Caroline about that right after this. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Back in here with Caroline. She is at CG Stefco. We're going to talk a little bit about the women's team now. Uh, recording this before we've recorded the other segment, but that's okay. We'll piece it all together in post. Uh, Caroline, we finally have some news regarding the women's team they have a manager it's finally happened yes finally and it came out of pretty much nowhere um i think it was a few minutes before the news officially dropped we saw a rumor from a journalist saying that this manager might be coming in and you know it would be finalized within the next week and then all of a sudden it was official so uh robert vilham i think is how you say his name yeah (laughs) Uh, is coming in to manage the team. And, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, this is someone that I was not familiar with. But after reading a little bit about him, listening to some podcast interviews, um, I'm actually feeling pretty good about about the decision. Yeah, a 40 year old from Sweden uh, seems to have, you know, a, a decent reputation within the game from people in the know. And like you said, you, you passed along an, an interview that I listened to as well about a 30 minute one and just kind of has has that mindset of a guy that can you know come in and you know lead lead this women's team to to good things it was i i I hesitate to use the word inspiring but it kind of was it was kind of for for as long as we waited for this appointment it's kind of nice to have something to build and and grow on similar to the men's team i think you know we waited for a while for for postacoglu to come in with the men's team and now all of a sudden we're all feeling really positive this this kind of has similar vibes to me of that yeah, I think there are some parallels basically in terms of their kind of personalities and coaching philosophies. Um, it seems like they're both very like people forward managers. Um, and I feel like it, it's important to note when you're talking about the women's game, like there, there have been a lot of not great managers um, from an ethical standpoint in the women's game. And that was something I was kind of concerned about with this manager search because there were a few managers available on the manager market who I definitely did not want to see appointed for that reason. Um, and it seems like this at least is someone who's a genuinely good guy and um, has his priorities straight. So that's good to see. Um, but also I think, you know, he's, he's been managing at a team that has champions league experience and, um, Hecken is is the name of the team. I'm not sure how they pronounce the BK portion in Swedish, um, but so, so that's good. I feel like that's that's kind of the level we want to get to, and it's kind of interesting because objectively the Swedish league is not as strong as the WSL at this point. Um, definitely in the in the past they were kind of the powerhouse region of the world, but. I think this is going to be a step up for him in terms of like the quality of the league. 
but I think it's, it speaks at least to our ambition as a club that we, you know, we want someone who has that sort of champions league experience and um, is going to be working towards that goal. Yeah, no question. And, and I think the thing you say, you know, obviously we want success on the pitch, but that off the off the pitch part is is super important too. I think um, Football London pointed out that you know even outside of the coaching realm, this is a guy who has you know he started his own academy in Uganda. Like he he donates to you know bringing people into the game of football worldwide, and you know helping kids grow and in, in in the game and and learn the game. It just it seems like this is a a good person that Spurs have hired, which is, is, has not always been the case, you know, in years past um, in terms of just, you know, wanting to grow the game and wanting to, to grow this women's team in, in the way that they do. So I do think that's a really good point and a, and a, and a really good, good hire for them so far. Yes, I agree. And I also think it's going to be a good thing that we have a manager who's very passionate about, you know, he's spoken about the need for investment in women's sport now like not waiting for necessarily the audience to get on board like you have to sort of invest from the start um so i think that's a little bit in contrast to say for example our uh chairman's position on the women's team but i see this as a good thing like he's gonna you know create some pressure from within the organization to invest further in our women's team so yeah that would be the hope that would be the hope. Speaking of investment in the women's team, the, the women also have made a signing. Uh, it is 27-year-old Luana Buhler uh, from Hoffenheim. This is a Swiss defender. What, what else can you tell us about, about Buhler? She comes in um, and, and ahead of a World Cup that she is, is, is a part of co- coming up here in Australia and New Zealand later this month as well, which is kind of cool. Yeah, we've already uh, increased our World Cup representation in one fell swoop, so that's cool. Yeah. Um, I think this is somebody I had talked about kind of earlier in the summer, the need for the women's team to be bringing in players who are sort of at their peak and ready to go. Because I think last summer we saw a lot of, you know, either really young players who are needing to develop or older and more experienced players who are quality players, but had kind of not been getting many minutes at their previous club and needed a little bit of ramp up time. So I think it's a good sign that we're bringing in someone who's like ready to be a nailed on starter, in my opinion. Um, And she also is a little bit versatile, you know, in terms of her positioning, because she's played, I think, either on the right side of a center back pairing or as right center back in a three, which we don't tend to play that formation very often, but at least it's an option to have. And she also has experience at right fullback. So to me, the one thing that concerns me slightly with this is that I think we had a bit more of a need for a left-sided defender, and that's still an area of need that we're going to have to address, um, as well as the goalkeeper being the two you know, priority positions. But I do think that this was a good move, and apparently was somebody that Rianne Skinner was wanting to bring in in January before she left. So it's, it, this one's been in the works for a while, I suppose. You know, the experience thing is is important with the manager, but it's also important with with players. And it's like you mentioned, signing players at their peak is a really important thing. This is a player that started out her career in Zurich, was in the Champions League with with them, but then even with Hoffenheim since uh, since 2018, has been in the Champions League with them, has worn the captain's armband for them. So, I mean, that kind of experience with a player who's, who's played in the Champions League and can come and hopefully bring some of that pedigree to Spurs women who are looking to get to that place. 
I think that's the, the experience part of this is really crucial. And as you said, versatility is I, I, I love a Ben Davis S player who can play a little bit of everywhere in that, in that back line, which is really cool. So that'll be something to see too. But the experience to me, that is like chef's kiss. That's what I think this team needs a little bit more of to, to drag them to that next level. Yeah, particularly since we don't know Shalina Zadorsky's status, you know, her her contract is up and we haven't heard a decision on her, um, you know, staying or leaving the club. So it's good to have someone else coming in who has that sort of leadership capability. It's something to look forward to. And like I said, especially with uh, with a World Cup, uh, very, very quickly approaching. We're only a couple of weeks away now from from that getting underway. Speaking of, we we talked a few weeks ago on the pod about how promotion for the world cup had kind of we we hadn't really seen it either from a u.s level or even on an international level we're really starting to see that now over the last handful of weeks ramp up there's a really cool commercial out there uh for the french women's football team If, if nobody's seen it go look for that it's really cool and even here in the states i've seen a lot more ramp up we of course got the announcement about megan rapinoe uh of the u.s women's national team coming you know this will be her final world cup and final season uh, in the NWSL, like a lot, a lot of news breaking in, in the world of women's football with this World Cup ramping up, which I think is is nice to see. We're finally starting to get a little bit of buzz for, for this thing coming up here in a few weeks. Right, and I think if you've been paying attention to any of the friendlies happening in the lead up, some surprising results, honestly. So I think this is going to be a really competitive World Cup. There could be some, you know, dark horses, um, and just seeing, I think, some regions that typically haven't had success at the world cup could, could bring some surprises. So I'm really looking forward to it. And, you know, I know there's been a lot of injuries to key players, you know, across all of the teams, but there's still a lot of incredible talent that's going to be at this tournament. So hopefully we'll see some recruitment happening too, um, from the Spurs perspective. Super excited for it. And of course, we're recording this before the U.S. uh, play their final kickoff game against Wales uh, on Sunday. So that'll be something that we're looking for as well. Uh, Caroline, thanks so much for for jumping on and talking a little bit about the women's team with me so we could we could manage this. Uh, We will be back with you next week and, and talking more Spurs and hopefully more signings even ahead of this World Cup coming up. Yeah, I got my fingers crossed. That's going to do it for this edition of the Tottenham Depot. Make sure you follow us at Tottenham Depot on all the socials. You can follow Shuban at The Real Shuban. You can follow Scott at DSM Spurs. You can follow me at A Stetka. Follow Caroline at CG Stefko. Uh, and again, hit us on the socials. We're, we're, we're thinking about threads. If, if threads can get it shit together. We, we, <laughs> I was going to ask about that. We might, be, that. We, we might be on threads in the near future. However, you know. They got to get the option to be able to control two different accounts from the same uh, from the same app. Once they do that, I think we'll be okay. But uh, if if Zuckerberg, if you're listening, um, you know that that might be a route to go, so that us us who manage both the personal account and a podcast account can do that kind of thing. But uh, for now, still on Twitter and Instagram, uh, find us there and uh, leave us a rating and review in your podcast app of choice. Uh, That helps spread the word about the show. Uh, Until next week, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always. Come on, you Spurs.